Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Monday, and we are posting an instant classic for your inspiration. This message may come from anywhere around the globe, but is sure to stay with you for years to come. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Let's begin in the Word of God. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Exodus chapter 14. 30-year-old Michael Rotondo, he was struggling after a divorce. He moved back with his parents in their house in New York. Eight years later, he was still living there and resisting all suggestions from his parents that he needed to leave. His parents filed and gave him five legal notices. You need to leave. They even offered to help financially, but he still would not leave. They said, if you will leave get your vehicle off our property, we'll pay for the repairs, he would not leave. Finally, they had to take their own son to court to get him to move. A judge sided with the parents and said, it's time to vacate your parents' house. He was stuck. The scripture that we're going to read, God gives some people who are stuck by negative circumstances, a command of wisdom, and that command is go forward, or the theme of our conference, advance. If you're from England or Australia, advance. That's what we're going to do this week. (laughs) And that sets the tone of what needs to happen in our hearts. God wants his people to advance. Let's read Exodus 14, starting at verse 13, Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. And the Egyptians whom you see today, you will see no more again forever. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. Verse 15, And the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward, that's advance. But lift up your rod, stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. The children of Israel will go on dry ground through the midst of the sea and indeed I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they shall follow them. So I will gain honor over uh, Pharaoh and all his army, his chariots and horsemen. Then the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I've gained honor for myself over Pharaoh his chariots, and his horsemen advance. Let's talk about being stuck by the sea. The context of our scripture has to do with God's plans and calling for our lives. These people have left Egypt, that's a type of sin, and they are headed for the promised land. The promised land is a place of blessing, and a purpose of blessing. God had plans as he had spoken to Abraham. You, uh, uh, in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. That's the will of God. 
But on the way to the promised land, they discovered the truth that is universal. They came up against obstacles and enemies. Obstacles that stand in the way of progress. Verse 2 and 3 of chapter 14, they were camped by the sea. They were hemmed in by the desert and the mountains. Numbers 13, 28, God's people, when they first went in to the uh, promised land to check it out, and the spies came back, they said, here's the exact same thing. There, the cities are walled and they are fortified. For many of you in your ministry, your church, COVID has been an obstacle because of meeting restrictions and border closings. Others of you, you have gone to labor, you're trying to do the work of God and you're discovering it's really expensive here. Or maybe it is that the people are resistant, obstacles, then they're enemies. In this instance, the Egyptians are seeking to attack and and destroy them. They're chasing after them. Some of you here, there are officials in your city that are uh, tormenting your life uh, as you're trying to do the will of God. There are pastors here. You have people in your church that are resistant. They are not flowing with the will of God. Maybe it is you've had people that have left and they're trying to do damage. This is a universal problem. When you try to do the will of God, obstacles and enemies. But in our text, it shows us that there are reactions that we can have that are not healthy when we face obstacles and enemies. We see number one, you can freeze in place. Verse 15, the Lord said, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. They are stopped and frozen in place. And God says, that is not what I want you to do. Some people, they freeze in life due to discouragement. There's no point in trying. It's too hard here. From time to time through the years, we've discovered pastors or pioneers or missionaries. And and, uh, uh, to our surprise, they're not even doing any outreach because they are discouraged. I've tried again and again. It's not working here. And so they are frozen in place. Others, they freeze because they're waiting for favorable circumstances. Ecclesiastes 11.4, those who wait for perfect weather will never plant seeds. Those who look at every cloud will never harvest crops. You know, COVID, when it first started, there were people that they chose to wait it out. When there were lockdowns initially and everything came to a halt, I heard that there were pastors in their mind I'm just going to wait this out, and when it blows over, then we'll get back to the will of God. Remember that 15-day to flatten the curve thing? That we're almost, that 15 days is almost at the two-year mark. So if you were waiting out COVID, you're probably going to be waiting some time longer. 
Then we see some people, they go back on God's will. God's will for these people was that they take the promised land. But in uh, Exodus 14, 12, we told you in Egypt, let us alone, we'll stay and serve the Egyptians. Now we'll die in the desert. The repeated pattern of the children of Israel was that as soon as a problem came, they said, let's go back to Egypt. This is amazing what God had told them. They're going back on it. Maybe there are pastors here tonight that you obeyed God in faith. You planted a church and it didn't go well. And maybe the couple had to come back or God forbid, maybe there was a worse scenario. So you have stopped planting. Maybe there are people here that you went out to pioneer and it didn't go well. You struggled and now in the aftermath of redirection, now you have changed history. Maybe now you're saying, maybe I'm not called. Maybe I was never called. Maybe I was just excited. But I was, you're going back on what you knew at one time was the will of God. We can fail to make progress. That's the third thing. The will of God for our lives, the will of God for our churches and our fellowship is progress. We should be moving on. There should be five years from now, we should be at a different place, whether that's numerically or spiritually. But you know what happens? The children of Israel for 40 years... They just went round and round and round the mountain. You can look at it in a book of biblical maps. Essentially 40 years of no real progress. That is not the will of God for us. And then, of course, finally, we can do damage to our hearts. Some people allow circumstances to change them on the inside. Proverbs 13, 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Now this becomes, this is, moves beyond discouragement. We see in our passage, here's the pattern. Some people, they turn on headship. In crisis, the children of Israel, their first instinct was, this is Moses Fall, Exodus 14, 11, they said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? It's fascinating. I, I see sometimes disciples who were begging to do the will of God, send me, send me, send me. I'm ready, send me. And then they get sent. Didn't go well. Not all of life goes well. That's a chapter. Regroup, move on. But some people... They now come back, the man who was the wisest in all of the world when he sent them out, now they're angry at him, it's his fault. You didn't give me the good city. You didn't give me the good church. I'm sure you didn't give me the same support as the other guy. So re now they are embittered at the person who's supposed to be able to help them. 
Others, they turn on God. Verse 10, the Egyptians marched after them. They were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. But that term, cried out, is not just talking about prayer. This is agitation at God. You know what happens to some people when life is not going well like they had planned? They actually become embittered at God. It's possible that there are people that are here tonight as we were singing, while on the one hand, your hand was lifted, in your heart, you're actually secretly angry at God. Why and why not? Like Job's wife in crisis, curse God and die. It's interesting, some years back when I did a, a Sunday school, I was reading about the issue of cessationism, cessationists, people who do not believe in miracles. And what's interesting is that many people who are now cessationists, they used to be Pentecostals. They used to believe in healing and the gifts of the Spirit, but at a crisis in life, they became bewildered by a lack of healing, a death of a loved one, whatever it is, and so they threw out the miraculous. One man made a very interesting statement. He said, for everyone that actually leaves a Pentecostal church, there are many who would still attend a Pentecostal church, but they're closet cessationists. That means actually on the inside, they are no longer believing for miracles. Is it possible that you're a closet cessationist about the will of God? You smile and say, yeah, great, the fellowship's wonderful, but you say, but it doesn't work. That church planting thing, that doesn't really work for me. And so here we see people, they are stuck by the sea. Let's talk about moving forward. The will of God in our scripture is that we advance. Verse 15, tell the children of Israel to go forward. Listen, advancing is an attitude. First of all, there has to be something on the inside. What do you do when life is not going well? When facing an obstacle that seems like it's not moving? When there are enemies that are assaulting you? What is your reaction? Because advancing first starts on the inside. It's an attitude. David Livingston, he was offered a posting in Africa. And they explained to him the difficulties that everyone had faced uh, up till now. And David Livingston made the famous reply. He said, I'll go anywhere as long as it is forward. I don't care that it's difficult. I want to move forward. There needs to be something in us that says, I do not accept the obstacle. I do not accept the enemy as being my final uh, part and portion in life. Advancing is an attitude. And then our text says advancing is by faith. It is basing our expectations and our actions and our obedience on God's word, not on our circumstances. 
Verse 16, the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. They're stuck by the sea. There are obstacles. Enemies are chasing them, but God had already told them what his will is. That is what must happen to every one of us in the middle of our problems. We have to locate ourselves in the word of God and ultimately decide, I am going to believe what God says. I'm not going to believe my enemy's report. I'm not going to believe the circumstances that I can see. God has spoken. And sometimes that we are called to advance in spite of Luke 5 5, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. In this text, it says we are called to advance before we see the change. Tell them to move forward. There's nothing happening yet. The order of the miraculous is motion first. Then comes the miracle. Joshua and the children of Israel are at the swollen Jordan River. It is raging flood tide. And God said, tell the priest to take the ark, the presence of God, to go into the river. And the Bible says, when their feet touched the water, God did a miracle. Motion first. Then comes the miracles. I was a young pastor and I had a hunger for the miraculous. I had faith birthed in my soul that Jesus Christ was the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so I began to boldly declare to my church Jesus is alive today. That means he is going to do miracles. I had not seen a single miracle ever through my prayers. But my faith was not on my lack of blessing so far. For three months, every service, I would declare to them, God is going to help us. We are going to see miracles. And then God did exactly that. You advance by faith. But I want you to see this. Our text says one key component of God moving in a miraculous way is the key of leadership. Verse 13 it began what we read, and Moses said to the people, God's will is a man of God leading the people so they can advance. Joshua 1.6, be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Listen, God helps you through a man of God. That's what that scripture says. I want to help the people. Joshua, it's going to come through leadership. People need, we all need a man of God to advance into God's will. So if that's true, of course, it matters what the leaders are. We're gathered for some of you. You are stuck. You're in crisis. Pastor, 
If you are intimidated and unbelieving, if you're accepting the unacceptable, the people are not going to be helped. These people, when they're stuck by the sea, they desperately needed Moses to hear from God and then be able to declare God's will for their lives. But when that happens, this is the key You have to choose to line up with leadership. Listen, this is voluntary. It is all voluntary. No one can make you accept a man of God in your life. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three. Premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four. Our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Some people, they don't have a heart to receive God's gift in their life of leadership. They don't ask for help. Sometimes, fortunately, rarely, but sometimes I will travel. I'm taking time out of my schedule so that I can help pastors in an area. You know, I have gone some places and they don't ask me a single question. They laugh. They talk issues of the day. They tell me what they believe. Listen, if that's the case, I don't grab them and say, you will receive some wisdom. Because that's not how it works. Some people, they reject authority in their life instinctively because of pride. What do I need you for? I'm a big boy. Do you know how long I've been saved? Then there are people, they reject authority because they had a bad experience with a leader somewhere in the past, a pastor, a God. This is terrible, but let's be honest. Pastors are people. We've had pastors that they had personal failure, financial failure, moral failure. Sometimes perhaps they're rude and abusive. You know what happens then we finally, God exposes that, we get rid of that guy, we put in the new guy, and the people in the church, they take it out on the new guy. They torment him. 
Everything he says, they're suspicious. Yeah. Why do you think he's really saying this? Why would you do that? I have a right. You don't. No, you don't. Because you can only move forward with a man of God. In our text, their future depended on leadership. Listen, your future depends on leadership. You know the problem with some people is that they are their own pastor. They don't seek advice or input from a pastor. They don't flow with what everybody else in the church is doing. As a matter of fact, they do the opposite of what their pastor says. In that case, you are your own pastor. Listen, if you are your own pastor, sometimes I look people in the eye and say, why are you here? You don't need me. You clearly don't want anything that I have for you. So why be here? Start your own funky church. (laughs) But listen, listen. God's people stuck by the sea without Moses, they are not moving on. There are some of you, you come for years, you struggle. Why doesn't God help me? Why doesn't God give my, why doesn't God give me? You know why you're stuck? Because in your heart, you don't have a pastor. You will not allow it. 20 years from now, unless something changes, you're still going to be stuck by the sea. So if it's pride, we're going to have to humble our pride. If it's past wounds, get healed. Ask God for a miracle. But ultimately, what has to happen, you have to accept God's gift of leadership in your life. In World War II in France, there was a battle. The winter time in January 1945, the Germans had placed many anti-personnel mines under the snow. You can't see them. American soldiers are walking. One of them stepped on a landmine, blew his foot off. He's laying there, screaming in agony. First Lieutenant Samuel Lombardo saw the danger that they were in. He gave the signal to his men, we are going to advance, but he ordered them, follow me single file and step in my footsteps in the snow. So the lieutenant, he stepped. Everywhere he stepped, it was safe. He said, if you step in my footsteps, you're going to live. And I read that story. I know a lot of people, they go, you know, I kind of make it my own way. <laughs> like, why is everything blowing up on me? Every man in his unit who stepped in his footsteps, they all made it through unscathed. Because that is God's gift. You will not have the miracle, you will not move on without leadership. Let's look at one final thought. Let's talk about the blessing. In our text, it shows us what God will do when his people obey and decide to advance. Number one in our text, God gives guidance. God shows them a way through. Verse 15, tell the children of Israel to go 
forward. God knew how to get away from the Egyptians. God will guide obedient hearts. It was Eleazar who said, I, being on the way, the Lord led me. God is able to give guidance and strategies for breakthrough. He's able to lead you to the exact people that will help you at the exact times. Lisa and I went to Johannesburg, South Africa in 1997. It's a daunting task. That is a massive city. Had no idea where to go. We we opened in an area, and initially it was not going well. We left a church in Australia, an established church, and so now we are back to pioneering, looking out the window, waiting for the people to come. Our daughter Emily was eight years old when we went. Emily, uh, we had pioneered before she was born, so she had never seen us in a pioneer church. She only saw us in an established church. So now, this is a new experience for her. One Sunday morning from hell, I am standing by the window waiting for people and no one came and my darling daughter who I love and cherish, she looked at me and she said, Dad, this is stupid. (laughs) She said, what are we doing here? She said, we had a church. Why did we leave it? And I said, get thee behind me, Emily. (laughs) So I am vexed. But thank God, I have a godly wife, and she said, Greg, we can't let the devil win. She said, let's go outreach. So we went and changed, and we went, the Mighty Impact team, my eight-year-old daughter, my wife, we went to Southgate to shopping mall on the edge of Soweto. I had an acoustic guitar. I want to tell you, there is nobody in a township that was interested in my music. Not one person heard and said, like, he's one with us. And here we are, Emily's passing out flyers, Lisa's witnessing, I am singing and I am preaching, but I'll tell you something fascinating that day, every person that we came in contact with that was open, they were all from El Dorado Park. We had met somebody from an area called El Dorado Park, that was not where our church was located, and Lisa said, Greg, I think God's trying to tell us something. We went, you heard Jonathan, he gave a report, he is now in the place where we went, and the moment we went to El Dorado Park, revival exploded and God helped us. Listen, we moved forward and God gave us direction. The second thing God gives is supernatural help. God made a way through miracle power. Our God is in the business of overcoming obstacles. He does not intend for the obstacle you're currently facing to have the final say in your life. Exodus 14, 21, Moses raised his hand over the sea and the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. The wind blew all that night and turning the seabed into dry land. We serve a God that can remove obstacles. 
With Jesus Christ, the stone was rolled away. With Peter, it was chains that fell off his wrist and doors and gates opened so that he could get out. With Elijah and Elisha, it was the Jordan River that parted. Revelations 3, 8, Behold, I've set before you an open door and no man can shut it. Pastor Foley told me a, a, a story, one of the pastors in the Northwest when they had a rally, that one of the pastors came and he was discouraged after a long period of barrenness. People were not getting saved. He came and in his heart he said, I am done. I cannot go on anymore. He was somewhat encouraged by the rally, went home on the Sunday. Sunday night, a backslider came back in who had been gone for years and brought his teenage son with him. They got saved, and from the teenage son, God has begun to bring many young people because God is able to do that. Listen, God's help in our text brings deliverance. Verse 13, you will never see these Egyptians again after today. I said in the beginning, I declared to you, there are people that you came to this conference, some of you are watching online, and there are torments of hell that are assaulting your mind. You don't even know what it's like to feel normal, but God wants to set you free. Not only does he want to move the obstacle, he wants you to be delivered, no longer tormented by those factors in your heart and your life. Something can change, and our text says it can change forever. Think of how many times in the Bible the assaults of the enemy, God turned the assault around, the actual attack itself turned into the greatest favor for God's people. Haman cooks up a plot to destroy God's people. It is that plot that brings them greater favor. I'm going to tell you what I believe about COVID. COVID is from hell. It needs to go back to hell. But I do not believe that our God in heaven was like, I was, things were going so well and I had so many plans and COVID wrecked it all. I'm going to tell you what I believe God is going to do. I don't know how. I'm not in the how business. That's God's business. I believe that God is going to turn this around for our favor. Our great favor. God's people are standing at the water going, this is terrible. God and Moses, it's unfair. And then God opens the water. They go through. The Egyptians chase them. God drowns them like, oh, is that why? That's what I believe God's going to do about COVID. He's going to help us. We see in our text, God helps us make progress towards God's will. They made corporate progress. They made individual progress. There can be marking points in your life. If I look back on Lisa and I and our, our lives and our ministry, there were marking points. There were points in time in which everything changed. It was like a leap or a jump because God helped us make 
progress. This is what happens. A step of obedience can take you to another level. And finally, you gain lasting reference points. Today's miracle is meant to form tomorrow's reference points. The miracle at the Red Sea is referred to 10 times in the Bible after the miracle. Because that's what God wants. He doesn't want just to help you. He wants to help you so powerfully that from then on, when you face a new problem, you can look back to the God who opened a way in the sea. He wants to form reference points, not only for you, but for your children, for the people in your church, your disciples. Joshua 4.21, Joshua said to the Israelites, in the future, your children will ask, what do these stones mean? I close this story. Reinhard Bonnke, in his autobiography, Living a Life of Fire, he became a missionary. He was trying to build a work in the nation of Lesotho in southern Africa. Lesotho at that time, it was called a missionary boneyard, meaning no missionary did well in Lesotho. He took, a, in his own estimation, a dead church who were resistant. He said he battled to build a congregation of 50 people. He longed for more. He wanted a breakthrough. God had given him the powerful vision of a blood-washed Africa making impact across the entire continent from Cape Town to Cairo. But at this moment in time, he was struggling against the racism of some of his fellow pastors, the religious nature of the people in Lesotho that kept them from being truly converted. He said, these are a gospel hardened people, superficial. They don't really get it. They don't change. And then these people, even Christians, they hold on to their witchcraft and cultural practices, even though they're supposed to be uh, Christian. Reinhard Bonnke invited a famous healing evangelist. This man was noted for great miracles. He was so excited. He advertised widely. His building was packed. He thought, this is it. God's going to help us. The first night, he said, the man preached, he's waiting, and he said, close the service. You didn't pray for anybody. He said, tell them the sick will be prayed for tomorrow. Okay, so he told them the next morning, came to the building, absolutely packed. They brought the sick from all over. He's excited. Went to the hotel to pick up the evangelist, and to his horror, the evangelist was loading his suitcases in the car. He said, what are you doing? He said, I'm going home. He said, going home, the people are waiting. I told them that you're going to pray for the sick. He said, I told you the sick will be prayed for. You're the one who told him it was going to be me. He said, the Holy Spirit told me to go home, got in his car, and drove away. <laughs> Reinhard Bonnke said indignation rose up within him. He went to the building and he told the people, I'm going to preach and God is going to do miracles. He said he felt God speak to him these words, my word in your mouth is as powerful as my word in my mouth. And God told him, 
Call everyone who is totally blind and speak the word of authority. He said, anybody here, you are totally blind. Four people stood to their feet, and he said he shouted, in the name of Jesus, blind eyes open. A woman at the back, she began screaming, I can see, I can see. And God began to heal and did miracles. He prayed for every single person that day. But more than just one great service, he said nothing was the same in the days ahead. Listen to this. It was as if I was catapulted from one level to another, one place to another. And this launched Reinhard Bonke's worldwide ministry. Listen, I like that story because here's a man, he is stuck by circumstances of religion and witchcraft and racism and all of the problems that there are. What can we do? But God says, I have a way through the sea. And not only can I just help you through this one little problem, I can do something so profound that everything will be changed in your life, in your church, in our fellowship, because we serve a God who tells us, go forward, we are to advance. How many believe that? Let's praise the Lord together right now. God, I thank you. Oh, God, I thank you, Lord God. I believe that you are able, Lord God. I believe that you are able, Lord God. Hallelujah, Lord God. I want you to bow your heads. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.